Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. U.S. national debt is now over $31 trillion. The federal government hit the debt limit last week. To discuss fiscal discipline and the overall state of the economies, we spoke with Jonathan Williams, Executive Vice President of Policy and Chief Economist at the American Legislative Exchange Council. Jonathan Williams, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me and greetings from the land of make-believe in Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, Jonathan, much of the focus here in D.C. has been on the national debt, uh, with the debt limit coming to a head. However, individual states are also facing challenges of their own. Um, what would you say some of those biggest challenges are right now? Well, I mean, the, a lot of the economic headwinds, right, that's causing real problems for taxpayers across the country and the federal level also are affecting states, especially states that uh, really took the federal approach in many cases of overspending uh, during the pandemic, right? I mean, we were talking about this gusher of $5 trillion in enhanced government spending and overspending in many cases during the pandemic at the federal level, which causes you know the predictable inflation crisis, the debt limit crisis that uh, is being talked about right now. And some states, you know, followed a very different path, which was great. Uh, and other states like California just announced it's going to have uh, tens of billions of dollars in a budget deficit scenario in a state that just recently uh, had a major surplus. And so they overspent, in the case of California, state general fund spending grew by 50% in the last year. $80 billion was added to spending in the state of California. So there's no surprise why taxes in California remain sky high while the remaining to the out-migration effect out of state like California continue. They've lost more than 300,000 people that have moved out of state in the last year alone. And so some of the same economic challenges that really plague the landscape in Washington, D.C., are facing now states like California and Illinois and New York, especially, that have followed those big government uh, policies. You know, just in fact, this morning, one of my friends uh, t called me and said, you know, wouldn't it be just so common sense for the federal government to look to the states, though, that are being successful as we face this debt limit challenge and actually look at ways of controlling spending? And there's so many great positive examples of that uh, from Colorado with their tax Payers' Bill of Rights uh, to booming states like Texas and Florida that have meaningful ways of balancing their state budget. Um, that is exactly what we need to see in Washington, D.C. right now is more fiscal discipline. We're seeing it at the state level in some degree, uh, but certainly the states that are not following that are seeing are really paying the price. Jonathan, when I ask you about crime, uh, we've seen, you know, historic numbers rising in, in some of the major cities and smaller cities uh, throughout the country. Besides the quality of life impact, what you know impact will the crime rates or the crime in general have on the overall health of a local economy? Well, this is a, another predictable disaster that's played out. And so many of the, the big uh, progressive cities that had this massive push to defund the police and have that anti-police mentality, uh, of course, then when they weren't enforcing a lot of the laws that were on the books, we saw rampant crime take over. And in addition to uh, the just the clear issue of public safety and the kind of fear that that instills into the uh, individuals from even participating in economic activities in those cities in many cases, 
More broadly now, as we just saw the new census numbers come out around the holidays, we're seeing states that had followed that approach, especially those big progressive cities like Portland, Oregon, uh, Seattle, Washington. We're seeing out-migration uh, from states like Oregon, which had been a big state that had, had seen good in-migration over the last several years from places like California, as we've talked about. But because people, in many cases, did not feel safe living or working or even going to a sporting event, let's say, in downtown Portland, we're seeing that uh, migration trend uh, go in a very different direction. Of course, and what does that mean? For the economy, it means that Oregon now and states like it that follow this pattern are facing uh, major budget problems otherwise that they would not have faced. They're seeing higher unemployment, they're seeing uh, employers leave the state, and they're seeing some of their most successful individuals say enough is enough. If we're not going to have a safe environment, uh, in addition to many of the business issues that plague those states, such as high taxes and big government policies, uh, there's really a, this is a real trend, I think, that we're seeing in the crime aspect does play a role in it. Another major issue I'd like to get your thoughts on is illegal immigration. Um, you know, this is such a serious issue, so much so that we're seeing what were once called sanctuary cities uh, now so sounding the alarm with uh, the mayor of New York City making his way down to the border, pleading to the federal government to do something about it. How big of an impact is illegal immigration having on cities specifically in the interior of the country? Well, you know, that's not an issue we really uh, look into much as an organization, but I will say just anecdotally from my time out in the states, uh, just recently in New Mexico and other states that are seeing this, of course, we've seen the stories in Texas where Governor Abbott has taken even state resources uh, to defend uh, against uh, a lot of the, the, the problems that are happening, whether it's the fentanyl uh, issues on the border, whether that's uh, so many of the issues of public services being overrun, uh, even in cities down uh, towards the border. Uh, governor Doug Ducey, uh, outgoing governor of Arizona, uh, tried to do the same thing and use state resources because they see that right now in Washington, they don't have a federal partner that is there to, to help do some of the things that you would think would be a core uh, opportunities of the federal government to intervene and really play an important role in this issue. Jonathan Williams, really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for having me. The lack of transparency regarding the pandemic situation in China is making a lot of countries and world organizations worried. The Chinese regime's official COVID death toll remains low, despite reports of hospitals and morgues being overwhelmed. Joining us now to discuss, we have Cindy Yu, assistant editor at the British magazine, The Spectator, and the host of the podcast, Chinese Whispers. Cindy Yu, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Cindy, I'd like to get your thoughts about China's uh, transparency or lack thereof since the initial outbreak of the pandemic. Various reports of morgues being overwhelmed, bodies piling up in hospitals, yet the CCP maintains uh, the death toll is minimal. What would their motivation be for covering up the numbers? Well, it's what you might expect, which is that a massive death toll in China will be a political problem for the government um, in a sense that the CCP has always prided itself on at least being competent because it never said that it gave its people rights in the sense of uh, voting rights or democratic rights, but at least it was competent. At least it was able to make people's lives wealthier, uh, better, make people healthier. Well, that's not the case if you cannot prevent COVID from ripping through your population and having a massive death toll. Um, and so the real number really is a very sensitive issue. Um, I don't think that they really actually know because of the breakdown of the testing mechanism 
Muslims in China. So literally, I don't think anyone is counting. Uh, although given enough time, we will be able to see the excess death numbers, the, the, the amount of deaths that weren't meant to happen during this time. Um, and the government has said that they will release that. But again, how accurate those are, are anyone's guess. I mean, this is much greater than just inside of what's happening in China. Of course, the world is concerned about the Chinese people as well. But what impact does this have throughout the rest of the world, given the fact that we're so interconnected from a, both a health standpoint and travel and also economic? Well, I think fortunately we're not in the world of 2020 anymore, um, and this in the sense that vast majorities of people have been vaccinated. Pretty much everyone who wants to be vaccinated in the developed world are, um, and people who are not don't want to be vaccinated, and they want they're willing to take that risk of being infected and prefer that to um, having the vaccine, which is understandable. So I think. Given that we're not in that situation anymore, concerns about new variants or or hyper infections in China, you know, we are protected. In in the West, people are as protected as they can ever be. And for COVID to be accepted as an endemic issue, as a virus that's never going to go away, uh, we have to treat it as such. And to think that, you know, no matter if it's China or South Africa or India or wherever it is, um, now that we've been vaccinated, this is uh, this is the future. Now, that's not to say we don't have to monitor certain variants and just keep an eye on that. Uh, and so that will be, you know, the kind of pressure that the West and the WHO and other organizations can lay to bear. Uh, but I think in terms of public health, you know, we're not in January 2020 anymore. Uh, that horse has long bolted. Now, I just want to switch gears a little bit here and get your thoughts on uh, how is the rest of the world reacting to the Biden files, specifically with the possible ties to the Chinese Communist Party? Well, actually, um, when it comes to the Biden files, in China, people are not talking about it much uh, because there's a lot going on at the moment. I mean, there's the COVID situation, there's the birth rate decline that we, we had numbers of just last week. Uh, and this past weekend was the Chinese New Year as well. And so there, there's not been much discussion of that that I could see on Chinese social media of what's going on in the White House. Now, we know the CCP wages influence campaigns in the United States, be it with our politicians, government officials, uh, all the way to our college campuses. What is the situation like in the UK? Well, there are very severe concerns. Um, I think when it comes to things like Confucius Institutes, which the Americans, uh, you guys have very clearly um, distance from, uh, in the UK, there are still dozens of Confucius Institutes. And personally, I think that they are a risk we can take as long as we are mindful and we regulate them properly, uh, by which I mean we don't need to give them free uh, premises to be on universities, we don't need to give them uh, waive their rents or anything like that. And we need to keep an eye on the students who go there, that they're not being spied upon. Uh, and then the stuff that they're learning about China or Chinese history is being counterbalanced by really properly independent curriculums at their university campuses. So that's one thing. Um, another question is over the partnerships with um, high tech industries between universities. And we've got to be careful, you know, why should British universities be working with certain Chinese organizations to look at surveillance technology, for example, do we really want to be contributing to that? Um, and finally, you know, campaign finance as well in the UK, you know, making sure that politicians are not taking money from the wrong people, which I, th I think all of this stuff um, in the UK is generally uh, we are okay about. Um, we just need to be mindful of the dependence problem with China. I think very few people in this country would say, 
we can't have work with China at all. But just be, to be mindful that if China does turn off the taps on anything in particular, that the UK is not at a loss. Cindy Yu, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.